I wonder this morning, how many of you have been in love before? You've been in love? Only a couple of you. Have you seen anybody in, somebody in love before? At least if you've never been in love, maybe there's still hope for you. It's all right. But were you ever asked the question by anybody as you experience this love thing, what is the intent of your heart? What is your intention with me, with my heart? You know, I, I remember when uh, Amy and I were, were getting pretty serious and uh, I was ready to ask her, yeah, look at that. That is not me on the right. That's me on the left. I was about Pastor Aaron's age uh, right there. So uh, it's uh, been a long time, but uh, when, when we were getting serious, it, she knew I was going to ask her uh, to marry me. We kind of talked through things. That's the way we are, but I didn't tell her when I was going to ask, and we had a day where we, we actually we got into some arguments, and uh, it was serious, and I thought, what a great time to get engaged. <laughs> You know, here's my thinking. If I can ask you to marry me when you're ticked off at me and I'm ticked off at you, we're going to be on good footing. I'm kind of like that anyway. And so, so we got to my parsonage and I said, hey, how about if we walk over to church? Because it was right across the way. And, and you know, what Amy was thinking is, what a jerk. She was still mad at me. I know it's hard to imagine, but she, she's like... What a jerk. He's going over to church to break up with me because he thinks I won't get mad at church. Did you not, Amy? Wasn't that what you were thinking? That's exactly what she was thinking. And I took her into the sanctuary, and uh, we, that's what we called it uh, in, in the, the, the church buildings. And uh, we went up to the front where the preacher preaches, and, and I got down on one knee, and I asked her to marry me. Yeah, yeah, and I put the ring on her finger, and, uh, and she said yes. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Then she said, when did you ask my dad? Well, I haven't got a chance. Do you want me to take the ring off? (laughs) Her answer was, absolutely not, but you need to meet with him as soon as possible because I'm not going to do this without his permission. And so we met the next day. I was really nervous. And, uh, And, you know, essentially what he asked me that day was, what is your intention with my daughter? Is it to love her? Is it to be with her forever? Is it to be the man that God has called you to be? What is the intent of your heart? I've got a serious question for you as we end this series called Armed and Dangerous. What is your intent with Jesus? What is the intent of your heart with Jesus? Is it to love him forever or only love him until you get what you want? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. You are so grace-giving. You are mercy-giving. We know the intent of your heart. It's to love us. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh upon us this morning and that 
the intent of our heart would be to love you back. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of his people said, Amen. Amen. We are in Acts chapter 8, 9 through 25. We've been in this series called Armed and Dangerous for eight weeks. And so here we find another major transition that is incredibly important to us. And I hope you get more excited than first service did about that transition. So there's a, the gauntlet has been laid. Acts 8, 9 through 25. Now, for some time, a man named Simon. Now, just so you're clear, this is not Simon Peter. This is a guy we call Simon Magus or Simon the Magician, Simon the Sorcerer. Simon had practiced sorcery. Somebody say, uh-oh. Uh, in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. Ooh, we're in Samaria. This is an important thing. We're going to talk about that. He boasted that he was someone great. What's the intent of your heart? And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, in Samaria. I mean, this is big, big stuff. You're not supposed to go to Samaria. Jesus did, but it was still a trouble spot. 13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. Ooh, that, that's kind of interesting. This is talking about Simon Magus. But you know you can believe and not be saved? The demons believe. But they're not saved. We'll get to that in a moment. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. What was he astonished by? Not Jesus. What's the intent of your heart this morning? When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter. There's Peter. Here's Simon Peter. They sent Simon Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given The laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. And said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. What is the intent of your heart this morning? Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. I like how the English Standard Version says it, because of the intention of your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness. Some of you relate to that today. And you are captive to sin. Some of you relate to that today. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. 
we need to have a, a little bit of context to this story to understand why it's really, really important for us. And so Acts 8, go ahead and read this with me if you can see it. Acts 8 is a transitional chapter in the book of Acts in which we see the focus of ministry to the Jewish people shift increasingly to the Jewish people. And it all starts in chapter 6. What did I say? You're right. I'm wrong. (laughs) Yeah, somebody say, help him, Jesus. All right. So it all starts in chapter 6 of Acts when the, the original disciples appoint seven deacons to serve. All seven of the deacons were not Jewish Jerusalem Christians. They were Greek Jewish Christians. They were opening the doors to a bigger group of people to serve. In chapter 7, Stephen goes out and preaches an incredible message and he is stoned to death for Jesus. Chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Samaria is a place where it's kind of a mixed religion and the Jewish people hated them. And here is Philip going to them and sharing the gospel. And we start seeing this this movement of conversion among what the Bible calls Gentiles. Somebody get excited. I'll tell you in a moment why. Then Acts 9, we see the conversion of a guy named Saul who was formerly persecuting Jewish Christians and he converts and becomes Paul and becomes the apostle or disciple to the Gentiles. This is why it's a big deal. We are Gentiles. Yeah, you're doing better than first service. Thank you. We are Gentiles. We get to be armed and dangerous too. It's not just for the Jewish converts. It's for me. It's for you too. This is a big deal in Acts as we make this transition. So let's look at this particular story. Acts 8, 5, and 14. I want to lift up to you. I want to go back to verse 5. Philip went down to the city in Samaria. He went there because Paul had, or Saul had scattered the believers. And Philip got scattered. Isn't it great how God works? I said, those Samaritans need Jesus too. And so he went to Samaria. He proclaimed the Christ there, verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. They were shocked. Now what I want, to see, want you to see in this, Philip was commissioned to be what? A servant. Peter and John go up to Samaria to serve also. You will never ever be armed and dangerous unless you become a servant. I, I, I want you to understand that you cannot... If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be full of Jesus, you got to be a servant. Philippians 2, 3 through 7. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you, raise your hand if you're each of you. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. You cannot be armed and dangerous unless you're a servant. Being made in human likeness. Let me ask you, is the intent of your heart to serve like Jesus or serve yourself? Let me tell you about a wonderful lady. Her name was Nola Camry. She was a prayer warrior in one of my churches, and she'd been a prayer warrior for years before I went there. Every day she came in early and prayed for the church. Every day. You know what? Almost nobody knew that. You know what? There was not a plaque to Nola Camry anywhere in that church because she didn't do it to be recognized. She did it to be like Jesus. You know something else about that church? There was a very wealthy family who gave all of their wealth to the church. The sanctuary was named after them. The chapel was named after them. The library was named after them. If they could have legally done it, I think they would have changed the name and made the name after them. What is the intent of your heart in service? To serve yourself or serve others? Do you understand the progression of Peter? At first he was serving himself. And as he grew closer to Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit, he's even willing to go up and do the menial task of checking out Samaria and see what's going on. What type of servant are you? Maybe that's why you're not armed and dangerous. Acts 8.15, it continues. This is the cool part. They listen to Philip and they, they believe, but they, the big thing hasn't happened yet. They haven't really accepted and they don't have the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8.15, we see they prayed for them. That would be Peter and John. They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I know, I know you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You cannot be armed and dangerous unless you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. You cannot, you will not, you won't be. Acts 8, 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not, it's not enough to just believe that, that he lived and that he raised again. You've got to accept him for yourself. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that today at the end of the service. I want you to say, I want to be armed and dangerous, and it starts with Jesus. But maybe some of you went to a church like I did growing up, We didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit in the church that I grew up in. Uh, The Holy Spirit was saved for the end of a sentence. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, there we go. That's as much Holy Spirit as we're going to deal with in our church. And some of you, that's been your church experience, and you're going, what is this Holy Spirit? 
Well, I want you to understand, you can know if the Holy Spirit is in you. And Pastor Tom, just a couple weeks ago, talked about this, so I won't belabor it. I'm going to go through it real quick. The scriptures are in your bulletin. You have the Holy Spirit if you have the counsel of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you. You have the Holy Spirit if you have the conviction of the Spirit. He tells you when you're sinning and getting off track. You have the Holy Spirit if you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit if you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen from somebody? If you don't have those, if you don't recognize those in your life, I want you this morning to to have somebody pray for you. At the end of this, I want somebody to pray for me because I need the Holy Spirit. And you will never be armed and dangerous if the Holy Spirit isn't working in you. Now let me ask you a very important question. Is it the intent of your heart this morning to be full of Jesus and the Holy Spirit or yourself? We got six people who just answered correctly. Good job. As Pastor Tom says... You may go. (laughs) What's this issue I'm talking about? I I call it the look at me syndrome. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Woo, yeah. I am awesome. I'm incredible. That's what. Look at all the cool. All right. Have any of you watched a football game before? All right. So in a football game. One of my favorite players used to be a guy named Barry Sanders. He would score a touchdown, and he would lay the ball down. Because he wanted everybody to look at the team, not him. Now we watch football games, and a team is down 50 nothing, and a guy has one good play, and they're going, look at me, look at me. I'm not going to look at you. You're down 50 and nothing. You're losing. Why should I look at you? It's not about you. It's not about you. And sometimes we can develop that. Look at what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. Look at me. Look at me. Acts 8.22. This was Simon. And, and I know it's confusing. There is Simon Peter and Simon Magus. And Simon Magus wants to buy the ability to give the Holy Spirit to people. And this is what Peter says to him. Simon Peter, repent. Repent. Repent, therefore, of the wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart, what is the intent of your heart this morning, may be forgiven you. So let's compare Simon Peter to Simon Magus. Simon Peter had what I would call an unconditional relationship with Jesus Christ. Not at the beginning. (laughs) Right? Not at the beginning. That's why he betrayed him, right? But here we've seen him grow fully into a man of God who has an unconditional relationship with Jesus. He wanted power So people got pointed to God. He wanted miracles. So people got pointed to God. He wanted provision. So people got pointed to God. He wanted deliverance. 
See, by this point in Peter's ministry, his heart had been purified. And it's amazing, after this point, Peter's going to slowly disappear from the narrative. He's still working, he's still doing things, but he becomes less and less important to what's happening. That is a picture of being totally emptied so you can be armed and dangerous for the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? See, then there's Simon Magus. On the other hand, he had a conditional relationship with God. He wanted power, so people pointed to... He wanted miracles, so people pointed at... He wanted provision, so people pointed at... He wanted deliverance, so people pointed at. See, the scripture tells us at this point, Simon had been broken. And the intent of his heart had been darkened by the bitterness that he had experienced in life and because he was captive to sin. You know, it's it's really interesting when you start talking about uh, this because there's a lot of argument whether Simon got saved or not. Simon Magus. And, and for this, we can't know from Scripture, but we can know from church history. And anytime I bring up church history, there's some, someone who says to me, Pastor, you can't preach church history. You can only preach the Bible. I'm preaching the Bible, but I'm using church history to prove something. I don't live by church history. I live by the Word of God. Does that make sense? So here's what church history says. They came up with a word called simony. Simony means to pay money for religious favors. You are that much smarter now this morning. You learned a new word. Simon is considered the father or the originator of a heresy called Gnosticism. Some of you might be going, Gnosis what? (laughs) Gnosticism just means that there's a secret knowledge that some people have and some people don't, and Jesus had it, and there's a divine spark, and it's a combination of Christianity and all kinds of different religions. Simon is considered a father of it. You might go, also what? What's the big deal about that? How many of you remember the Da Vinci Code? That's Gnosticism. Simon's the father of that. Here's the third thing I'll tell you about Simon and why, why we don't think he was saved. The church fathers tell us he went on to battle Simon Peter in Rome. And that he was part of the proceedings that led to Peter's death on the cross. See, Simon Magus could not get over himself. He could not get over his bitterness, and he could not become free from that bond of sin. And I want you to hear this, because this is really important, and the intent of your heart is you will not become armed and dangerous until you have been released from the bitterness that poisons you and the bonds that hold you captive. Let me give you an example because I don't know that you're clear on this. One of my churches, 
there was a guy who was a bass player, and he left all this stuff at the church and had been there for some time. And the office manager asked me, since I was a new pastor, hey, will you give him a call and see if he'll finally pick up the stuff? So I called him. And we talked for a little bit. And I found out that, that he'd stopped coming to church because his, his wife had been the worship leader and she'd had an affair with one of the elders. And the church blamed him because he had a pornography problem. And so he was full of bitterness. And he was captive to sin. He was addicted to alcohol and pornography. He was, a, he was just a mess. I asked him to go out to breakfast sometime. I found out that next breakfast that we went to. And that day I called him, spurred on by my office manager. He was getting ready to kill himself when I called That's how captive he was. And I'm excited to say to you today, his life did not end like Simon the magician. It took him about three years to get past that poison of bitterness. And it took him three years to get past that that addiction to alcohol. But now, six years later, he's moved to Tampa, he's remarried, and he's following Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. If there is hope for him, there is hope for you this morning. And what you need this morning is to be delivered from that bitterness. You need to be unshackled from those bonds of sin. Because what we want is for all of us to be like Peter and be armed and dangerous for Jesus Christ. So this morning I ask you the question one more time. What is the intent of your heart? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I want to invite you to do that. Prayer warriors. Those who've been trained, please come forward. Just come to each side so there will be some... Come on, don't don't tarry. Let's let's move. It's all right. Everybody clap for those servants. Don't do that. You're going to make them full of themselves. I'm just... just, I'm just joking. But seriously, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, to be armed and dangerous, it starts there. And these people would love to pray with you to do that. If you're not sure, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, let them pray with you and confirm that. Some of you know you're full of bitterness. I don't know why it is. Maybe you're like my friend. who He was bitter towards the church, bitter towards his ex-wife. Maybe you're bitter because you keep on asking for healing and you've not been healed the way you want to be healed? Maybe you're bitter today because you've been praying for provision and it hasn't been provided for you like you want to be provided for. 
Maybe you're bitter this morning because someone has hurt you and broken you, maybe even your parents, maybe a friend. And this morning, make it the intent of your heart to be freed from that poison. And maybe you are tied to the bonds of sin. There is a sin that holds against you and you are just bumping against what God wants you to be. Would you let them pray for you to be unshackled? You know, it's really true. It is not the way you begin. It is the way you end. This morning, you have an opportunity to change your ending. Take advantage of that. Amen.